Australia in four, the United States in five. Off, McKenzie at the bottom, Stubbins above her, Schlanger in six, then to the yellow lane, Henry. Queen start, Newell's got into the water quickly, but so did Joyce. For short of Germany was away well. They'll go to the wall all together, pick that one. Bloomer in fact, ahead of Manuel and Hirsch Amenya. What a shot, Peterson stumps her authority on another 200 breaststroke. Now Henry is starting to come at her. Henry's throwing Linden down. Linden and Henry. Henry and Linden. They hit it. Jody Henry of Australia shading. Jenny Thompson has taken the lead here. The Australians have only won this race once. It was with Dawn Fraser in 1956. Henry's moving away. She's going to win it for Australia. This has been a remarkable last leg. Jody Henry is going to bring Australia home for what will be yes! victory. <laughs> Welcome once again for another week to the Shannon Rollison podcast. I'm the host, Robbie Cox, and joined by the star of the show, uh, the man that uh, answers all your questions, and we're going to get to those questions today, Mr. Shannon Rollison. Shannon, mate, how you been? Yeah, very well, Robbie. Yourself? Hello to everyone out there. Yeah, hello to everyone. Yeah, no, it's good, mate. It's all it's all ramping up now for Christmas time, and uh, I know up in Queensland they've got state champs coming up. We normally would here in Sydney. It's been pushed back with COVID, but still, you know, we've got a lot of stuff coming up. So it's a, it's a busy time of year. You for yourself, same down there. Yeah, we've got uh, well, we've got two more weeks, and some of the Victorian swimmers are coming in, and some of the New South Wales swimmers are coming in and spending a half a week or a week at, in Canberra, uh, and then we're going to have a bit of a hit out. Um, just coach run, nothing official. Mm. Um, but uh, looking forward to that. I think it's like there's a skins on the Friday night, racing Saturday morning, Sunday afternoon, and then Sunday morning um, finishing off the skins and doing a relay. So yeah, it sounds good. like it's a bit of fun, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, you know, it's it's basically probably you know. Three, three groups coming together, um, and we've talked about that. Coaches have done it over the years. I think uh, talking with Drew and that up in Queensland, not always doing the big meets, but running the, your own meet and just having a hit out on a Friday night. So it's, it's that sort of concept, I think. So Yeah, no, well, definitely sounds like it's it's sort of like that swim club, club night type concept, but just on a bigger scale and yeah. getting everyone together so definitely those traveling down and I, i've always loved taking kids to the ais i think it's it's always great down there do you when they're racing are they in the competition pool or the training pool uh the training pool yeah okay yeah so 10 lane um yeah we're, we're gonna have it uh electronic timing things like yep. that so so uh, it'll be good and uh it's just starting to what, what is it? December 2nd, just starting yesterday. Is that 26? I think today's going to be 26. Um, so it's just starting to warm up. Yeah, slightly. It's getting muggy, though, isn't it? I'm not a, yeah. a huge muggy guy. Nah. That was my one down. I, I loved Queensland. I loved Brisbane, but some days was just way, way too humid for my liking. But um, some days, gosh. Oh, yeah, no, oh, that's why. Crank the way. AC. It is way too muggy. Like when we go back for Christmas, like be lying in bed and Ellsworth will go, Don't touch me. 
<laughs> and I'm like, I, I wasn't. And yeah, yeah. You, guys, you were thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's so irritable. Yeah. No, I, I understand. Mate, yeah, we cranked the AC. That was one thing living up there. I think we were up there for five years, and I always said, I never cared what the electricity bill was as long as we were comfortable. I just wanted to be, because, you yeah, know, bloody just <laughs> so hot and humid. People are like that here in Canberra, you know, with the winter mm. heating bill and that. So, yep. so yeah. Now, listen, we obviously that we, we, you know, interested in what's coming up swimming wise, but mate, you, you did a bit of a uh, post yesterday about the lawn. I saw Elspeth put something up not long ago as well with the front lawn. People are always interested with this lawn. It looks like it's starting to all come together, mate. Yeah. <laughs> hey, when I get up to <laughs> Brisbane around Chrissy time, like people are going, what have you been doing? And I'll be just saying, horticultural. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like I've been... In my backyard or front yard since August. Yeah. So, nah, it's, it's, thank Christ it's come along because we had so much rain in November, it would have just been a mud fest. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, well, it's good. Yeah. As I said, for anyone who didn't see, it's on Shannon's Instagram, 917 Cooper, by the way, if you want to go. Have you actually, I meant to ask, have you had more followers since the podcast has kicked off? Because let's be honest, in at 917 Cooper, you started with, I think, like three or four people following you when I actually found you because you were trying to be inconspicuous. But have you had more people following you? Yeah, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's gold. That's what I wanted. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's gold. But yeah, if you, if you haven't had a look, uh, yeah, that, that backyard is starting to look a lot greener, a lot more lush. Yeah, no, nah. it's uh, and I'm trying to get that that summer grass to take over the winter grass, so I'm cutting it shorter too. So, um, normally, I, you know, in the years gone by, I've cut it longer and uh, and it's kept this other grass out. But mm. um, yeah, when I got the expert in to have a look at the yeah. backyard, he goes, "Oh, do you like that grass?" I go, "Well, actually, my wife does." Yeah, and uh, he said, "Oh, if you want more of that, just cut it lower." Mm. So. Uh, I've brought it down by two notches, and it's working. So there you go. So it pays to get the experts in. Um, you learn something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right. Well, I'm glad we've we've covered that, mate. And it's been a it's been a year of learning for me about the grass. Now, also with the grass, I've got to ask because you spend a bit of time out there. What are you doing when you're out there? Are you, are, do you listen to a podcast? Do you listen to music? What do you do? Uh, yeah, music, the odd podcast, someone sends me something. Um, the uh, When I'm pulling weeds, I'm normally thinking about some sort of new swim set that I could come up with or, you know, munching over some problem that one of the swimmers has got and how I could make it better. So, yeah, just chill it's, out. It's, it's, it's morphed into sort of your downtime. That's kind of your, <laughs> your time to get away. What are you listening to? What's on the playlist for music-wise? I cop a bit of uh, curry from the swimmers over this because I buy each song individually. <laughs> so do I. Ah, so, yeah, yes. Yeah, so do I on uh, on uh, bloody iTunes or Apple, whatever the bloody, yeah. yeah I, Apple. I've yeah, got 130. I, well, I think I've got heaps more. I cop more flack from my missus because, uh, yeah, she looks at how much that actually costs us in the long run versus just, you know, being on Spotify and, you know, being able to, but I don't know. I'm just old school like that. Yeah, well, and Jess Hansen always giving me curry, and 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 I said, mate, it's cheap. 
because she goes, oh, it costs money. I said, well, it's cheap compared to where I've been from. Yeah. You know, like I can remember when CDs were $30. Yeah. You know, and you only liked half the songs, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now I've just got, yeah, this is just cheap. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so what does the playlist look like? What are, you, what are you putting on when you're out there in the backyard? Well, a fair bit of 80s. Um, songs that, uh, you know, bring back a few memories. Um, I've got a song, uh, I don't even know the, the name. But anyway, um, and it's an okay song. It was, it was in 2013. Um, and I've... So I've got it purely because it reminds me of, of the situation when um, we, after the World Champs um, in Barcelona, we flew into Eindhoven. No, we flew into Amsterdam and had to drive to Eindhoven. And this um, song came on and we were driving in the car following another car and um, Janetta and, and Penilla started you know, bopping away in the car and we were just mucking around and we forgot to turn off. <laughs> the car ahead of us rings us he goes where are you we're like, what do you mean yeah so so just sort of funny stuff like that and stuff that brings back school memories and stuff dances and things but i put on the other i put on the hooters i, I got a, the hooters song the other day so it reminded me of uh year, year tw- 11 or 12 you know and uh but i'm big on the 80s stuff so there's a lot of yeah. 80s uh, a lot of australian stuff like i'm a big um Australian music fan. Uh, Got a text last night from Ticker Tech saying uh, Midnight Oil are getting around yeah. again to get out there. So for anybody who's a mid- yeah, Midnight Oil fan, they're, they're out and about again. They're having another crack. So Yeah. Hunters and Collectors, The Models. How Good's Holy Grail. That's one of my favourite songs ever. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's one good. of my that's one of my favorites. Um, yeah, no, you're right about sort of just bringing back memories in it, and it, I, I find too watching movies and you hear songs that I've not, like. So, for example, because um, Charlie um, obviously loves watching Disney stuff, so we watched a Disney movie called Cruella, which yeah. is based of um, you know Cruella Deville. But anyway, uh, and the, there was a song by The Doors, Five to One, oh, and yeah. I'd, I'd never really heard it before. But it just got me, and then I started bopping away to it and tapping my feet and singing it, and then but, and then I went on to iTunes and paid my $2.19 or whatever it is, and next minute it's in my playlist. So yeah, I find movies always sort of get me interested in songs. Yeah, I was, um, you know, The Wedding Singer. Remember that with Adam Sandler? Is that yep. um, watched that the other day, and a couple of songs come out, like um, I Ran by A Flock of Seagulls. Mm. So I added that, um, and my daughter loves ELO because I've got a couple of ELOs on there, and she just, I think, is it Blue Sky? Oh, she just thinks it's. <laughs> so that's sort of 70s, and she's right yeah. into it. You know? Yeah. Well, that's the good thing about having a three-year-old daughter too is, like, she just, whatever I put on, she likes it. So she's not at that age yet where she's like, Dad, this isn't good music. <laughs> so I'm, I'm still pretty lucky that I can get away with that sort of stuff. Um, all right, let's get started. And uh, for anyone who's joined the podcast today, you would have already seen the title. It's Ask Shannon Anything, and we put the questions out there. Uh, and, mate, we've got a fair few questions come through, which is – which is exciting and it's good. And as I said, I've always thought this is sort of like a, a seminar type deal where, you know, I just get to pick your brain and, you know, you're, you know, putting the words out there for everyone to 
to take in um, and, and now they're actively getting involved and sending these questions through. So I'm going to get these questions out to you, mate, and then you just you let us know what you've got. So uh, Ryland underscore Campbell asks, what uh, was your experience in 2004 Olympics similar to others? Or was it uh, different? Well, no, because... Um you know, you had, what, five gold medals in 04 and, you know, none in others. Well, I think Tani got one in, in as a heat swim in the relay. So, mm. so no, definitely not. Um, and, uh, um, and and then the others, on the other side of that as well, it um, of all four Olympics, and I don't, don't know whether this is because it was my first, it's the one that I have... Um, my memories are here and there, so, so, so yeah. to speak. Um, whereas I think I've mentioned this before, each Olympic since has got a, everything slowed down. Um, whereas Athens was quite everything was quite fast. So mm. um, uh, and I just I don't remember actually too much of Athens itself. Even when we went out um, after the meet start stopped and we visited a, a few places. It's still that's all still pretty blurry with me. Um, yeah. But the real hard swimming stuff that I've talked about with Jode and uh, Alice and the relay, um, that's all r- really uh, clear. And then other things, it's like it just didn't matter, mm. you know. Um, whereas like London, there's so many. I could talk about London on so many different levels, and. Probably as a an entire as a whole experience as of an Olympics, that's definitely the best Olympics I've been to. Do you think it's? A, and I've never been so, but what you're describing sort of reminds me of my wedding day at the moment when people say, <laughs> "What was your wedding day like?" Yeah, and I, I I can there's moments of it that I remember, but there's yeah. also things like, "Oh, that happened." Oh, I don't remember that. Do you think it's because? And I'm relating it to what you're saying. Do you think it's because? You know, it's fresh, it's new, you're on the ball too. Like, you know, a lot of the stuff is resting on your shoulders that you kind of, as you said, you sort of sometimes take it for granted. You sort of rush through it quickly, getting everything done, and then you look back, you're like, oh, whereas as you got older, you started to realise to take your time a bit more. Yeah, I think there's probably a little bit of that. The other thing that could be is because, like, you know, you say your wedding day, no offense to my wife, I loved it. It was the best day of my life, but there's certain parts of it I just don't remember. Well, of course, it's such a big day. Yeah, and if you think about um, Athens for me, it was such a big meet that maybe it, yeah, and you can obviously remember standing at the altar. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. presuming that's what you. No, can no. there's that part. Yeah, there's certain things I remember. My brother vomiting under the uh, bridal table uh, <laughs> while people are giving speeches. There's certain things, but yeah, look, there, there's certain like, oh, we had a wedding cake. Like yeah, yeah, we had a wedding cake. No, I, I forgot all about yeah, no. a wedding cake. Um, but so maybe because it's yeah, so you remember the big parts of that day, but you don't remember a lot of the other stuff. Um, mm. So maybe it's got something to do with that. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, so yeah, interesting. Yeah, well, as I said, that's the only way I could relate. I've never been to like mm. massive meet like the Olympics, but in terms of like sort of a big, I'm assuming like for you, this was a big event. This was you know, the, yeah. the pinnacle of your coaching career. So, as I said, yeah, it sounds very similar. Now, Coach JJ Angle says, what if uh, 
what if any out of the box ways have you used to help an athlete build endurance? Uh, probably out of the box ways would be running. So, um, but having said that, only if they can run. You know, like a lot of swimmers, especially the parents, they say, oh, my, my kid's a really good runner. Oh, yeah, what, what sort of runner? Oh, cross country. No, 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 he's just aerobically fit, you know. Yeah. Um, so I'm not a big fan of running with swimmers, but having said that, if they can run, I have in the past um, done some running with 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 uh, two girls in particular, uh, and we did a little bit on the track. We did a little bit of just slow running, and we did that for um, probably almost a year. Mm. Um, and uh, Jess Hansen, actually, funny enough, you mentioned running. Um, she she ran 19K on, on the weekend. Wow. And uh, I, our, I was on the bike. And we're going around the lake, and I didn't know she was out. She didn't know I was out. It was early Sunday morning, and we ended up crossing paths. <laughs> so I rode all around, you know, the the uh, eastern end of the lake, and then thought, oh, I think we might be, I might be able to catch her on the on one of the bridges anyway. And I, I did. So then I rode beside her while she was running, and just we just chatted, and. Uh, um, it was about four kilometers and it was right towards the end. She was, you know, she's a good runner. So, yeah. um, uh, you know, I, I'm actually been thinking in the last couple of days might be able to use that a little bit because she's going to do the half marathon next weekend in Melbourne. So nuts, but you know, anyway, yeah. that's very, that's very fit. If you, if you're coming to the back end of nearly 20 Ks and you're able to carry a good conversation, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm struggling after one or two. So at the back, that's that's very good. Yeah. So she hasn't done much swimming, and um, she she swam with us on Tuesday morning, and we just did some A two hundreds, and she was only like a second off what she was leading in, you know, last season. Yeah. And and she's virtually done no, no swimming, and she said her, uh, we did she did fifteen, the whole group did twenty four. Um, her arms started getting a little bit sore at the end, but that's just purely because she hasn't been swimming. But yeah, I, I'm actually thinking about doing it a little bit with her mm. in this. Um, if she decides to keep swimming um, next season or this season, we're into it, aren't we? Um, because yeah, it, it yeah, it's mentally a little bit different, stimulating. You just got to watch the injury and um, factor it. But yeah, doing something a little bit different. I think you could probably ride as well, to be honest, um, doing something different as well. I see a lot of, um, at the moment, some of those top clubs up in Queensland are doing a lot of spin classes. Yeah. Oh, I don't know how people spin class. Seriously. Have you ever done, have you ever sat on a bike in a gym? Oh, Listen, I'm not going to lie. My fat ass doesn't really fit on those those uh, spin bike uh, seats. My, it, it's sort of, I need a bigger cushion. I end up getting a towel and flattening the towel out and sitting on that. So it doesn't really agree with me. Uh, it gets quite uncomfortable. Uh, in Denmark in winter, I didn't even do it that many times, but I'd be flat out going 15 minutes on a bike 
And, and I get, I've ridden 100Ks, you know. I'll, I'll do 50 on a weekend easily, yeah. two hours easy. But tw- 15 minutes in a gym, oh, my God, shoot me now. <laughs> it's, so- it's all about the music, Shannon, and they take you through the journey and they pump the music up and anyway, you yeah, know. Oh, it's, it's not for me either, don't worry, as I said. It's very uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> uh, Yusuf Ali 205 says, what is your favourite personal event? So I don't know. This isn't to coach. This is just what's your favourite event? Sporting event? I'm assuming swimming event. Swimming event. But more so just like as a spectator, if you're going to sit in the stands and watch, what's your favourite race to watch? Oh, race. Oh, mm, that's a tough one. Um, it would have to be, can I have two events? <laughs> Mate, it's the Shannon Rollison podcast. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. <laughs> I, I would say the 100 free and the 200 breaststroke. Okay. And, you know, the turn of breaststroke because it's quite tactical. Uh, the lead can change quite a bit. Um, and, you know, Stubbly Cook's race was quite exciting, you know. Mm. Uh, and then if you think back to the Olympics in Rio, the men's turn of breaststroke, oh, every every 50, you know, the top three were changing. So, um, and... Then the hundred free because it is it's just the, the pinnacle, isn't it? You know, it's the blue ribbon event. Yeah. Uh that made they're definitely good ones. Um and let's see, here we go. And when Patterson asks, how do you see the four by one women's relay progressing in the next five years? Mm. So that we've already just knocked off the, the world record at the Olympics. Yeah. But yeah, how, if, if at all, do you see it progressing in the next five years, so on the road to Paris and beyond? Well, is it for Australia? I think it's just in general. I only said the world record because, it, like, it, yeah, it was broken there. Obviously, Australia broke yeah. it. But. Well, actually, um trying to think back to that. I, actually, they broke the record, but, you know, if you really drilled down into it, they, uh, they could have gone quicker. Um, mm. so, so I think it's definitely, uh, able to be broken and lowered. The problem Australia will have initially is the, you know, if we, if we lose a couple of those girls, um, and they're aging anyway, so either or, so they may be past their prime, um, or if they retire, it's it's going to be replacing them um so we've got some coming through uh i mean we had two young girls in that team didn't we i think yeah well molly um, o'callaghan was on five she was breaking junior world records while she won 55 yeah. in the 200 so you know they're, yeah. they're coming through for sure so you've got yeah um so i think we'll be able to have a team that will be pretty close so say if we say paris Mm. Um, but we've got to uh, be trying to develop those those next crew. So we probably don't need to develop the top three, but we definitely need to 
strengthen that by, you know, athlete four and five and potentially six needs to all get quicker. Um, yeah, well, I guess that question comes too from trials, wasn't it? Was there four or five swimmers they went under that 53 mark? Yeah. Was yeah. It, was, am I right? I think it was yeah. something like that. So I guess that's where that, and you're right, like if Kate Campbell does, you know, hang up the goggles, but we've got younger swimmers coming through and um, I know and I only Bronte had her on the well. podcast. Yeah, and Bronte, I know I had, had not long ago, but Shana Jack in 2018 was on that relay team that broke a world record. She'll, she'll, she'll be she'll, back competing. Yeah, she'll be back. So that's that's a positive uh, for the group. Um, but, you know, uh, Emma's 27. So, you know, um, so she's got to get through to 24. Uh, how old will she be then? 30? Yeah. Um, injuries, gonna, managing her will, will be critical. Um, you got Molly coming through. Uh, Maddie Wilson, how uh, is she mid twenties? Yeah, yeah, no, she's she's yeah, she's not a spring chicken, but she's uh, she's not nearing retirement, that's for sure. There could be a, a changing of the guard. So, yeah, Meg Harris is still there, and yeah. and she was a part of that team. So yeah, no, you're right. Uh, in terms of just maybe thinking, if this person was asking more world swimming wise, do we see it progressing in that regard? Do we? Is there a, a nation coming through? Um, do we see, you know, any other countries? Obviously, America's always going to be in and around that conversation. Yeah, America will always be in the mix. Um, I think Canada's, you know, got a, they've got a, I could be wrong with this, but I'm pretty sure they've got a young team. Um, well, that's so Summer think- McIntosh. She was 14 at the Olympics, wasn't she? Yeah. And she's. Well, yeah, when they're that young, they, they may come and go just as quick. So uh, that'll be yet to be seen. But yeah. um, they, had a, they had quite a young team. So I, I think Canada could be um, one to, to watch. Um, yeah, look, generally you've probably only got about six nations that are capable of yeah. getting on that podium. So, I think China too, mate. You saw how China with yeah. the four by two and, and how well they 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 swam in that one, um, yeah. getting the gold medal in that one. Yeah, I think they're definitely coming through, um, mate. This next question will uh, <laughs> this will give you a giggle. Drew J M C G asks, "Who was your best assistant coach ever?" <laughs> My uh, mum. I was <laughs> I was waiting for the back end of this ant question to be like, and why was it Drew? <laughs> uh, how could I not say my mum? <laughs> That's going back a long time. So, uh, so what's no, the story Drew, behind that? Your mum? What's that one? Uh, well, mum uh, did the learn to swim at Camp Hill when okay. I was coaching there in oh, ninety. Started there end of 1990 or 91, must have been 91 actually. So 91 to 93, and then I went down to Chandler. So mum was had to learn to swim there, and, and she's only just retired a couple of years ago. She was there for like 20 something years, uh, and she ended up just taking over all the coaching uh, when I left. So uh, mum did a bit of assistant work for me there and um, did a little bit of assisting with my sub junior group. Sometimes yep. in winters, um, 
and uh, Drew was probably there at that point as well. So he's got to take a, a second seat there. <laughs> He'll understand. Yeah, no, I'm sure. He, 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 like, mate, he just threw that in for a giggle just to listen back for himself, I bet. He got one. Yeah. <laughs> mate, Aussie Swim Coach asks, and this is a, a question that gets asked quite a lot, and I'm sure you get it. How can we get more Olympians out of New South Wales? What? He, they want them to leave? No. Nah, yeah. <laughs> I guess it was more in the way That's I read problem. that question out. It was more. The, it was more my uh, my wording, mate. How do we how do we develop? I guess is a better question. How do we develop more Olympians in New South Wales? Everyone's just got to do a better job. Yeah, that's probably the simplest answer. So um, we've got to do a better job. We've got to do it quickly, um, and. Uh, yeah, I remember Don Talbot saying to me in the 90s when I was like, ah, you know, the AIS has you know, um, sent a letter, you know, and I think it was Greg Shaw and Kate Godfrey and a couple others, or, or then, you know, America. And um, he said to me, well, you just got to do a better job. And if you're doing a good job, they won't leave you. So, um, now having said that, it doesn't mean if they do leave you, um, you're not doing a good job. They just, you know, they may think the grass is greener on the other side. But I think eventually the, the tide will turn um, and people will see it for what it is. Yeah, you know, I think it's just at the end of the day, you've just got to do the best job you can. And um, not all the times people will see that. Yeah. Um, but you can't control what they do. Yeah. Because uh, the other thing that Don said to me uh, in 97 at the Pampax, you know, as a coach, you're just a train driver. People get on the train when it suits them and they get off the train when it suits them. Um, all you can do is drive that train the best you can. And, um, and that was advice he gave me to a swimmer that was leaving me uh well and we were in the pre-camp we hadn't even had the meat <laughs> <laughs> and you know every year she'd improved uh she was breaking australian records you know blah 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 so so that was really good advice and i'd never forgotten that um so that's all we can do uh is the best job we can i think um and it, you know what we need to do that on a consistent uh, level and that's how we're going to build momentum because that's really what we're going to try and do. And all, all sporting teams, all sports need momentum uh, and that's what um, a home Olympics gives a nation. Yeah. Um, but a football team or whatever, they need momentum and um, it's hard to get but once you've got it and I think that's really probably where we are as, as a state um, people can't see enough of it, so there's no momentum building, but we've, we've got to create it. We've got to get it. Um, yeah, it's a lot to do with um, perception, isn't it? Like oh, you, you see, you're looking at it at the moment and all the swimmers are moving to, to go and, and train at Queensland. I know there's a few that went down for, to Peter Bishop with Zach Inserti and Meg Harris has moved there and there's a few yeah. that have gone to South Australia. 
But the perception is, oh, if you want to be, you know, on the Australian team, you've got to go up and train, you know, on the Gold Coast or you've got to go train in Queensland. And nothing, obviously, we, you know, I've been there, you've been up there, you know, the system is, is really good and it does work well. So it's not against that, but it, there's nothing to say that if they, you know, didn't come train here with, you know, the great coaches we have in New South Wales, that the results wouldn't be the same. It's just at the moment that perception that we've got to sort of change. Yeah, that's right. And, and, you know, you mentioned Peter Bishop. And, like, Peter's been there as long as I've been coaching. He's been in South Australia. No one would go to South Australia. Mm. Nobody. People were leaving South Australia, and Peter Bishop was still coaching there. Um, but now they go to South Australia to train in that squad, you know, and to be trained by Peter. So thing, it just goes to show things do change, but Pete's been doing a great job before Kyle Chalmers came along um, and um, then Kyle does come along and then it, the thing takes off like it's on fire. Mm. So that's, that's, and that's how it does go, you know. Um, it's, it's how it went with me at Chandler and a lot of squads, you know. The, the coach is doing a good job before the athlete arrives mm. um, and, uh so the other thing, there just there does seem to be all these a lot of people. You know, someone's going well, and they think, oh, we've got to go and train in that squad. The 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 thing that sort of I find amusing is you're better off being at the top of the food chain in in your squad than number ten. Yeah, you know. Um, but people don't seem to think like that at, at the moment. There seems to just be, I've just got to be wherever the top per people are and then I've just got to keep up with them. Well, geez, it'd be nice if that was the case, but it just ain't. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So they end up moving into a program where they just become fodder and they're just getting churned around and, uh, you know, if they swim good, oh, that's good. If they don't, oh, well. They, they weren't one of my top swimmers, so. Yeah. But, yeah, that just seems to be the trend. <laughs> yeah, no, it's interesting. Yeah, definitely at the moment with uh, with Paris not far away and you're seeing, you know, Mac Horton and a few others moving around. And, yeah, it's been, it's been very interesting to watch. And, you know, watch that space. We'll see if that works uh, for, for people or, or, or if it doesn't, mate. The next one is Coach uh, D-Max asks, what are the differences between your coaching model and Jan Albrecht's? Um, you know who'd be really good to answer this? Matt Trodden. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but from my point of view, um, I've got probably the simplest answer is I've got more of a coach's eye and a coach's feel on a similar pr principle. So... The Arne Albrecht model would be quite scientific, um, where I would probably follow those principles, but with the coach's real-world hat on. Mm. Um, that's how I would think. Do you think that's why him and, and Jaco work so well together? Maybe Jaco had that sort of coach's eye as well to be able to add that bit of coaching element into it? Yeah. No, Definitely. And it doesn't matter who, what scientist you're working with. My advice would be um, listen to what they have to say, but then, you know, go with your, your instinct. 
Yeah. Mate, Justin Rothwell asks, favorite breaststroke pool set and which equipment do you like to use best when doing breaststroke pool? Uh, finger paddles, um, a sponge or a, a net, whatever the uh, sort of load apparatus that you like to use. I don't like to use anything too heavy because what I don't want to happen is uh, the head position to be changed or the stroke timing, uh, the breath timing. So uh, I don't like big paddles for breaststroke. Um, and then favourite pool set, uh, well, it depends whether you've got a 200 swimmer or a 100 swimmer, but I would say, you know, one of the best, uh, I'll give you two examples. Um, Rega would go like, four or five three hundreds breaststroke pull and you, we would descend each hundred and um yeah we'd start at like the, the first hundred would be at 20 something stroke rate the middle hundred would be at 30 stroke rate and then the third hundred would be at 32 rate or th 32 to 34 that range um so basically we were covering her stroke frequencies in her 200 breaststroke. So her first 100, she would be just under 30, and then she would build up to about 35. And then, you know, if she was going well enough, and, and most of the times this would happen, we might go out, out to 35 rate, you know, on the fourth or fifth 300. Mm. Um, and, you know, I'd probably put 100 freestyle in between each 300 or something like that. But uh, and then on the the other side of that would be something like um, uh, Tony White would go, um, you know, from a speed point of view, probably something like twenty fifties, one moderate, one at uh, fifty rate or forty eight fifty rate, but yeah, that sort of hundred meter tempo. So what I try to do with breaststroke pull is to get the the muscle fitness. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Training the muscle. Yeah. No, that's good, mate. Um, Elspeth Rollison asks, what swimmer oh. would you have liked to have coached for longer? Ooh, sneaky. I thought you were going to say, have you done the washing up or something? <laughs> <laughs> have uh, the clothes been washed? Did you hang them on the hill's hoist out the backyard? <laughs> Which swimmer would I have liked to train for longer? <laughs> well, probably all of them um, could have, you know, could have done a better job maybe. But uh, if I had to pick one, the one that comes to mind would be Rega Pedersen, so 200 breaststroke girl. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, we were sort of hitting our straps and then I, you know, came home and then we lost what I referred to earlier as momentum. Mm. And then we, we got it back again, sort of end of um, 2015 when she started working with me again and we had to, you know, get things back on track. But, and she was swimming well. She won the Europeans in 2016 in London, was, was swimming well in Rio, uh, particularly in that heat. But I think... One of the main reasons why I'd say I needed her for longer would be 
you know, that um, the mental side of, of it because, you know, one of the big things when I went to Denmark was I quickly realised, you know, like in Australia when we say something, everyone knows what it means and, and you know, uh, you had to be really careful with what you're saying and then explain what you're saying because we just think, you know, culturally different. Um, so I think I would have been able to, if I had had those years of continually coaching her, so not missing most of that 2015, we would have built better momentum in on the mental side of things. Yeah. Um, so that we had a better understanding of each other, at, at, you know, at the meet. And that's what I had with with Joe, and that's what I had with anybody really that I've coached over you know six, seven, eight year period. The hardest thing to do when you take on a new athlete or you go you know, overseas or, or stuff, um, or even when you were coaching at the AIS and you got an older athlete, you know, if you look at the the most successful swimmers that came out of the AIS are ones that went in there while they were still going to school. Um, so you got to spend time and you got to um, mould them. And it's the same with, with you know, your junior programs in, in your clubs. Those kids will know you, you know, if they stay through that club system. And when you go overseas, you know, you've got all that time to make up. Um, so um, so that, that's, that's my reasoning there. The other side of it is I, I really just, you know, not that I didn't enjoy coaching other people, but yeah, we just we had a a good relationship as far as uh, she was challenging. Um, she was making me think, um, and it's pretty exciting when you're coaching the fastest swimmer ever, and you're working out how yeah, you know, it's really new ground that yeah. you're trying to yeah, you, know, you can't go and ask someone else. Oh, look, how do you go two eighteen? You know, yeah. um, but I have no doubt she she was capable of that, um, and. Um, I thought she would do that in 2014. We, it didn't happen for whatever reason. Uh, and, yeah, so that's my answer to mm. Elspeth. <laughs> hey, uh, Leanne Speechley asks, what do you think about test sets and which ones do you use, if any? So I guess you're looking at those seven twos or, you know, the yeah. 3K for time, that sort of stuff. Yeah, so... Um, I'm not huge on test sets uh, because I think, you know, again, you've got to use your own instinct. You know, if, if you know someone's been swimming really well and then you have a test set and they, and their result isn't that great, does that mean they're not going great? No, no. Yeah, the scientists might say so, but hang on a second. No, well, they've been swimming off the charts and they've gone into an adaptation and we've hit them on the wrong day. Having said that, you know, I've used... Um, uh, 2,000 time trials, 3,000 time trial with a distance guy. Um, I've used the A2 test set, the five ones that I've talked about. Yeah, you showed me that one. Yeah. I've and, still got it in my phone, that formula. Yeah, and this, uh, the five 200 step test. They're the ones I've used. Um, and, but, yeah, I'm not uh, religious every five weeks or every four weeks or anything like that. So, probably tend to use them two to three times a year. Hmm. The other thing I found interesting with those test sets, I remember um, 
being up in Queensland. And we, we, we had uh, one of the camps, one of the talent ID camps was in like beginning of January and the kids had just come off like a two or three week break and they were, they were doing these test sets. Some of the poor kids in the that step test were, you know, nearly vomiting, but like, and that was early on. So as you said, it's all depends on where you're at as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mate, uh, Alex Clark asks, how do you unwind personally from swimming other than your lawn? <laughs> so obviously uh, listener to the podcast, Alex. <laughs> yeah, uh, cycling. Um, and I got into cycling. I did, I did a little bit with mates and stuff in year 11 and 12 and then didn't ride at all. Um, and we used to just do that in the winter um of the year 11 and 12 um and so then didn't ride at all until i came to canberra and then um peter blanche who's a physio and uh greg shaw who i coached and he worked at the aos um we'd ride sunday mornings just once a week about 40k yeah uh and we just chew the fat um and it was great chat actually really good um and uh, they, then when I went overseas in Denmark, I really got into it mm-hmm. and I started riding sort of like three, four times a week, um, except in the, <laughs> the bleak, dark months of winter where I thought, <laughs> oh, no, I can't afford to go down on, on my bike on this ice. <laughs> um, so then I'd just do gym and things like that. Um, but then uh, here in Canberra, you know, I'm, I generally try to do about 400k a month um and and the funny thing is actually so i'd gone from riding it with a group like and sometimes we'd have you know peter the physio greg the nutrition the a doctor had come with us oh, it was a full-on tour de france team you know <laughs> <laughs> i went down one day <laughs> i was i was right you know i had full medical support <laughs> <laughs> um but then when I went to Denmark, I thought, oh, geez, riding on my own. Um, but the thing that saved me was it was just fantastic to ride, you know, Denmark, Netherlands. Um, and um, what I started to enjoy was just the time alone. Yeah. And and I still to this day, so it's been a decade of riding on my own. Um, and I just enjoyed, you know, that thinking time. Um, so uh, and then... The other side of that, so that's sort of the, um, you know, physical side. And then um, I've just always been into cars. So, um, you know, we used to go out to the Willowbank Raceway and drag cars um, out there uh, in the 90s and stuff like that. And uh, I've always had a a toy to tinker with, uh, classic car-wise. And um, so go to car shows and... Um, I've shown cars and yeah, that's all that sort of thing. Um, So that's been my other outlet. I've got two questions for you from that conversation. One, when you're riding these bikes, what sort of a bike ride? Are you the full Lycra type bike rider? What what do you, what's your get up? What are you looking like when you're riding? Well, uh, when I was in the group, nah, you know, it was, um, it was, uh, you know, $500 $500 banger and um, shorts and shirt. And, you know, when it was winter, you just had lots of stuff on. You know? Yeah. 
And um, we used to sort of, you know, uh, look at these these guys that come in. Yeah. We'd always have brekkie, you know. Yeah. And uh, so it was just as much about the bacon and eggs. And um, anyway, uh, and we go, oh, look at these guys coming in on their $5,000 bikes, you yeah. know. And um, but anyway, when I went to Denmark, like it was pretty pretty serious in Denmark. And um, anyway, and because of the weather, I, you know, they have a saying in Denmark: there's there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothing. And after a month or two, I realised why they had that saying because you couldn't depend on the weather; you had to just have the right sort of gear. And bikes were cheap, so and when I say like. I had, I bought a bike for twelve hundred bucks and it was full carbon, and you couldn't have bought that bike for much less than three grand here in Australia at that time. Mm. But it's just so competitive over there in the bike scene. So I, I got fully kitted. I got you know the whole kit and caboodle and um, and looked like one of those people, <laughs> <laughs> and still do to this day. There you go. But I've moved. I'm into my retro. Okay. So I've gone away from my carbon. I rode on my carbon um, to about a week before the first COVID lockdown in twenty early 2020. Yeah. So I rode on it for about eight years and I was riding up the back of um, the AIS and went into a tunnel. Uh, and as I came out of the tunnel, this guy, these two guys had come over. They were on mountain bikes. And they were going to go into the bush there. And uh, they came up over this ridge and just went straight into me head on and oh. um, cracked the front fork, busted all the brakes, cracked my um, helmet. And actually, I think I had concussion, but oh. yeah, you know, I didn't do anything. Uh, it was only when I looked back, you know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I had a bit of a cut on my nose and stuff. And, um, and then two days later, you know, it's all looking like we're going into a, our first lockdown. So I thought, shit, my bike's busted and I'm going to get stuck. So I went out to Fishwick and when I was in Denmark, I saw this Pinarello steel frame bike. So it looks like an old bike, you know, so your, your levers are down on the angled uh, frame part. And uh, I saw it there, and because in Denmark, when I saw it, I thought, "Oh, that'd be a nice bike to buy one day." Anyway, so mm. it was about a grand off. I bought it for eighteen hundred bucks. So I ride around on a steel framed but Altegra running gear. So nice. It's got that retro look about it. So yeah. I, 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 I've got one foot in both camps. <laughs> well, I'm glad to see you recover well from your from your stack, mate. From those. Uh, mountain bike riders in, who knocked you off did you yeah. what did you have to collect yourself for a while what, what, I tried what did to you get up yeah and when i looked at my strava we, we hit at 20 um and uh he was bigger than me <laughs> <laughs> so um anyway yeah i got up and i tried to get on the bike straight you know basically straight away but then i was oh shit the bike's busted I was like, God. <laughs> yeah, wander yourself home. Um, my, my second question about, I've always been fascinated because I'm not a car guy, as you know. So, you know, that's why we don't talk a lot about cars on this show because, to be honest, it'd be lost on me. 
But I, I'm really interested. One of my swimmers, one of my open swimmers just brought in, he's got a, a Mustang, one of the new versions. He's done it up. Let's be honest. It's not really street legal. I'm very fascinated. Why does, why does it have to be so loud? And why does it matter how fast the car can go, Shannon, when the speed limit is 110? So if you're going to go over that, you're going past the speed limit. I don't, I don't, it doesn't, I don't get it, but obviously car people would understand. Yeah. Well, there's so many different types of car people, you know. So um, so I, I don't know with this guy. Is he going to track it? Is he going to um, go to the drags? Because um, there's all of that sort of scene. Mm. If he's not going to do that, maybe it's just going to McDonald's at Parramatta <laughs> yeah. and, and parking it and buying a Slurpee, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. Because there's that scene as well. Yeah, the chicks dig the car. There's a lot of um, there, there are a lot of sort of car shows at the moment. Like the younger younger generation are really getting. I don't know if they call it a car show. What do they call it? Like a meet? They all yeah. just get together and yeah. line up their cars, and they all you know get around and wander oh, yeah. about. There's heaps of it. I mean, this, this is it's cross generational. You know, mm. so I grew up around cars my whole life, and um, and then you know you have people that like the older stuff, people like the newer stuff. But one of the things, the problem with the new stuff is you can, you're doing 100 and you don't even know it. You know, you're doing 110. Now, if I'm doing 110 in my 1966 Mini Cooper S, it yeah. feels like 140. <laughs> yeah. And, and it can go, you know, I've had it up to 140 and that feels like 200. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, so you can get a lot out of, and this is why older cars, a lot of people like them because you don't have to do silly speeds to feel like you're doing you're something. You know? And then you've got manuals. So obviously that's all different. Yeah, whereas now you you know, most most cars are auto. So there's that whole range. And there is a bit of a, a younger generation. I've seen them with t-shirts and, and they've got something about you know a manual on it. And you know, so it's gonna be interesting as as the electric cars come in. And I'm not sold on the whole electric thing because I just can't, you know. Victoria has blackouts now. Like that, they can't supply enough electricity to to the to the now, let alone you know in the future. Mm. Uh, so I can't see how everything can go electric. And I think synthetic fuels and hydrogen are going to be two of the elements that come come to play. Yeah, but no, yeah, the car scene's interesting, mate, and it's so many different levels. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, in saying that, like uh, he made his Mustang, does it's an impressive look, but then he turns it on and he scares the neighbours and then we start getting, because it's so loud, I think. Mm. What is the point of this noise? Yeah. It just sounds good. Does it, though? To me, it's just it's just loud noise, but I'm sure you'd probably love it. You'd be like, oh, that, that does sound good. Well, uh, I'd, be, I'd be into the oldest Mustangs, you know. Yeah. My mum had a 66, um, 289, and then... My dad had, when I was a kid, he had a 390 GT Mustang. You know, are you in the movies? Uh, yeah, go. We'll see, we'll see if I know which one you're talking about, though. So Steve McQueen, Bullet, the original? No, not that far back. Okay, so, yeah, so the, the car that Steve McQueen had, my dad had one of them. Yep. So... No, nice. Now, I, I, I must agree, if I was ever going to have an old, it'd be a, yeah, Mustang Black... And I, just in my head, I'm just listening to Highway to Hell, just flying down the highway. That's oh, yeah. that's 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 my in my vision, which will probably never happen, because um, <laughs> I'll get an electric car. Uh, <laughs>